for the Craft Podcast. I'm Michael Rogg. And I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. The Craft Podcast serves the community of web developers, designers, business people, content creators, and everyone else who uses the Craft Content Management System to build awesome stuff on the web. With this podcast, we're aiming to give a voice to the Craft CMS community to bring you relevant news, to answer questions, and help develop your skills, and to celebrate the awesome things you're accomplishing with craft in your tool belt. Uh, Today, our topic, this is episode 13 of the Craft Podcast, and uh, our topic today is coming to Craft CMS from the viewpoint of a Drupal developer, and we're joined by two gentlemen, Patrick Harrington, who is uh, mildly geeky to those of you who are on the Twitters and in the craft Slack, uh, and our new friend Marco Serdoc from, uh, from Croatia, who we met just yesterday because I, I noticed a tweet about uh, you, Marco, starting some, some craft development, getting to know craft and coming from a Drupal background. So welcome, Patrick and Marco, to the craft podcast. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah, you. We're, we're already planning on doing this, and then Michael sends along a link to me and says, hey, we should probably get this guy on, too. I said, let's do it. Let's get so, Marco yeah. on. So, so, Patrick, you go first. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what kind of work you do, and, uh, and your story of coming to craft. Sure. Um, so, I, I uh, have lived, born and raised in Boston. I've always kind of lived here as uh, sometimes comes up on Craft Slack. I started into Craft in 2013. I've been following it since uh, kind of the Blocks beta, but did my first site uh, in the fall of 2013. Previous to that, I, you know, going a bit further back, I'd worked for a couple local web agencies. They usually worked in kind of big .NET, you know, big .NET fields. I was more on the user experience side, but I was always tinkering with front-end code. Ended up learning Expression Engine because I also wanted to learn back-end code. And I think like a lot of Craft developers, started out on EE, and then, uh, you know, made my way into craft. Um, I had also picked up Drupal, though. At one time, I was doing a lot of agency overflow work. They had a, a pretty large stream of Drupal coming in. So I, I learned Drupal kind of because I had to. Uh, it took about, a, I'd say, a good year to get pretty good at it. And by that point, though, I was really getting into craft. And I'd say these days, I'm doing probably at least 80% craft, if not more. All right. Marco, how about you? What's your background? Tell us your story. So, Okay. I made my first website uh, in 97, I think, but it was for study purposes. And first of all, I apologize for my bad English again. Like Andrew said, your English is better than our Croatian. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I work in an advertising agency and uh, I consider myself primarily um, a graphic designer and web designer more than a developer. In the early 2000, I made a site using the Microsoft uh, ASP uh, uh, language, script language, but uh, left it soon. So I was, um, I was trying uh, to find something to suit me better than that. No? The usual, the usual three, three CMS come to, come to, to my mind, Drupal, uh, WordPress, and uh, Joomla. I chose Drupal because it seems, I don't know, it was very nice at uh, back at the time. So in the last 10 years, I made about 10 to 20 sites using Drupal. Uh, but I always look for uh, new new CMSs to find CMSs that are more usable, more user-friendly, better media management. So I found uh, I found also Mod, Mod, Mod X 
it has very um, it, it has a lot of similarities with craft cms in the templating side of the, the story but um, last spring I remember the first, the first. Uh, I think the first information about Craft CMS was a Jeffrey Zeldman tweet I found somewhere. So uh-huh. I gave it a look, and but I must say that I didn't, uh, I didn't download it at first because I saw it's it's a commercial CMS. Right. So three hundred dollars are not uh, not a big amount of money, but here in Croatia the budgets are uh, way way lower than in the United States. So. Uh, we must consider also that. But this summer, I started to work on a project uh, for for a for a client. I said, why, why not? My boss gave me the green light, so we started uh, the development in uh, Craft CMS. Ah, very cool, very cool. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, Patrick, maybe you can help me out here because I'm I'm someone that <laughs> I know a little bit about Drupal, and you know, I've helped a, a friend of mine figure a couple of things out with it, but I really don't know a ton about it. So one, can you give us just kind of a, an overview of what Drupal is and who typically uses it? I mean, it seems like uh, big institutions like universities seem to really like it, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. In terms of what it is, you know, it's a, it's a content management system. It's written in PHP, uh, I'd say up through Drupal 7. And Marco, I'm interested, what version did you get started in with Drupal? I think it was a version 5 point something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, when I was working on it, it was in Drupal seven, which is the, the next to last one. Um, although I still had to work on some Drupal six sites up through so Drupal old s- right now. <laughs> <laughs> and Drupal eight is an entire rewrite. So we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so up through Drupal seven, it was written entirely on uh, their own PHP libraries. Really? Yeah. Um, on their I, own custom framework. Yeah, I mean, unless I'm wrong on that, that you know, they there was no under the hood, you know, Yi or Symphony or you know, Coding Night or anything like that. It was oh. you know, Drupal had always evolved since the very early days, and it was doing a whole lot of stuff. That was up through Drupal seven. You know, it's a you know, light crafted, big on content modeling. You get custom fields for free. It goes up above and beyond because you not only have custom fields but custom field instances. So the way you use, you know, a date field on one talk craft talk, it would be a, a channel or a section, but in, in Drupal, it would be a, a content type. You might have different settings as you use it on different spots in the CMS. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of times you see it in large institutions, in government. Uh, I think part of that goes to the license. It uh, uses the GPL license. So there's no questions of, well, what if someday this company who runs the CMS decides to revoke my license? You know, that's not how it works with Drupal. It's free open source software um, that has both pros and cons. You know, it means that any plugin built under it is also under the GPL. But I, I think, you know, you see people that you know, need to know from a licensing perspective, they're going to be okay. They want to know that they can spin these things up and not have to worry about a license every time. And, and then I see, you know, I've, seen, I've had clients with Drupal that philosophically are very pro FOSS and want to use open source software. So I think it attracts that as well. Sure. Yeah, and my my uninformed opinion about Drupal is, if I had to sum it up in one word, the word I would use for Drupal would be sprawling. Is that? Do you think that's an accurate assessment, or is it outdated now? I I think that's fair. I mean, I, they've tried to pare down the core somewhat, or they've tried to keep the core somewhat tight. That being said, you know, you can. I've never found myself to be nearly as nimble with a Drupal build as I am with a craft build. Uh, there's just because they've tried to keep core 
somewhat tighter, although with Drupal 8, some may say they've you know, added a lot more into core. You know, there, there are a lot of plugins that you absolutely need right off the bat. It almost feels like Expression Engine in that sense that mm. there's some plugins that to have any sort of an authoring experience, you need to have. And there's a lot of architecture. You know, even doing something like setting up a menu, you, you're not just going in and setting up a little for loop. You're setting up an entire structure and overriding templates and possibly writing a plugin to inject some new classes into those. It gets... There's a lot of work in doing anything with Drupal. So it, the, it sounds like uh, I, can, I can kind of understand why governments might prefer it. It sounds like it kind of, <laughs> mirrors, it kind of mirrors the uh, bureaucracy of many governments. Is that fair? <laughs> I don't know if that's fair, but it might be on point, yeah. Okay. Well, then if it's on point, how could it not be fair? <laughs> yeah, I think um, what, what really made Drupal rise to prominence, in my experience, and uh, the last serious work I did with Drupal was back in my college days and we were still on Drupal 4, which is why I feel really old talking to y'all because like that was the dark ages. But I, I think what really made Drupal rise to prominence was the extensibility of it. You know, whereas with, uh, with WordPress and with Joomla at that time, you know, there was this concept of plugins, but there wasn't really much of a framework to build on. There wasn't really much of an API. And in terms of the architecture of the other systems at that time, the architecture was very, very tied to specific features. You know, the architecture of WordPress was very tied to blogging. The architecture of Joomla was very tied to its control panel experience. And then Drupal came along and it had this nice, very extensible architecture with nodes can build anything on top of these kind of base units. Um, and in many ways, what we think of as elements in, in craft is kind of analogous to like entities in, in Drupal. And I don't remember whether entities were a thing back then or whether nodes were the, the base unit, but there was this like fundamental unit of content and then you could make it be anything. And that was really attractive. And Drupal was really the only CMS at that time that gave you that flexibility and, a, and that kind of like scaffolding to build on. And so I think that from my perspective is what made Drupal rise to prominence and what has kept Drupal popular um, for all of this time. But then what goes along with that is the other side of it, which is Drupal pretty much gives you this base framework and you've got to build everything else that you want on top of it. Huh. So I did, I did a little research and this nugget, I think it bears reading because it's kind of fun. So the history of Drupal, apparently it was originally written by a fellow named Dries Buchart, and I'm sure I butchered his name, (laughs) as as a message board. (laughs) So (laughs) Drupal originally originated as a message board, kind of, you know, WordPress originally ended up being a blog. And the name Drupal represents an English rendering of the Dutch word Drupal, which means drop, as in a water droplet. But apparently that was a mistake because he originally wanted to call it Dorp, which is Dutch for village, but he mistyped it when he was checking the domain name. (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) Very interesting. So let's see, Marco, you're relatively new at this point then to craft. So you kind of touched on your search for better user experiences, but can you tell us more about coming to this platform fresh, what attracted you to it, and kind of some of the, the advantages and disadvantages that you have discovered about craft coming from Drupal? Yes, yes, I, I was right. 
So basically, I'm not uh, a good developer, so I'm not good at PHP. And uh, all I did, it was um, customizing what uh, the CMS gave me out of the box. No, I was always, tr- uh, always trying to do as less PHP as I can. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, and the Drupal was... Um, uh, was very good because uh, the, the the whole concept of uh, content types of uh, custom fields uh, views gave me the possibility to get uh, content out of the WYSIWYG frame no and uh, i was always oriented to the design and to trying to things the my way not the 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 way some template was uh, was structured or or designed no so Drupal, uh, Drupal was very good. Uh, it still is very good. It's good when, uh, when I must do work for clients that have a lot of users. For instance, a site that I would probably never uh, migrate to Craft CMS is a site for a school, private school, which has lots of users. Every student is a user, so they can watch their exams, their votes, their messages. But uh, what I found a big problem in Drupal uh, from the first day it was the the media media management. Mm-hmm. I was never very happy with uh, the way Drupal handles uh, images, files, uh, generally every kind of, of of media files. WordPress, for instance, was a better solution, but then WordPress was um, I don't know. I, I didn't like WordPress uh, much, so I I gave a try <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Marco. I always tell people. That uh, WordPress is kind of the the chicken McNugget of the the web (laughs) world. You know, it's this kind of undefinable kind of like chicken, deep fried chicken paste that, you know, you can can eat it quickly, but you never feel good after you do it, you know? Yes, 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 exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, uh, uh, statistics said that uh, almost... I don't know how third half of the internet is built uh, up on WordPress. Right. And, uh, it's fine. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. And it's fine. But I really wanted something that, first of all, my biggest problem with Drupal is the interference with the output, the interference with the HTML. No? Mm-hmm. You, you, I, I didn't get the, the, clean, the clean data out of my custom fields and uh, views, but it was, it was always enveloped in, I don't know, three or four divs and uh, et cetera, et cetera. I said I found ModX uh, years ago, and ModX is also a CMS that's um, built in a similar way to Craft CMS. I spent an amount of time in ModX, and I, I think that there are kind of some similarities, but they really, uh, or at least, um, you know, the versions that I used, I have not used their their latest stuff. But the versions that I used, they did impose kind of their own ideas about the way content should be organized. And they had this weird, you know, where you could have snippets and you could have chunks and yeah. it was kind of this weird mishmash of stuff. Yes, yes, it is still weird in the latest version, version, I think. But what I was able to achieve is that I could uh, template the output of uh, of a field uh, as I like it, no? Uh, But yes, it was not uh, as pretty as in Craft CMS. And um, basically, I found Craft CMS combine some uh, user user friendly user friendly experience of WordPress and capabilities of Drupal. So it was a win-win situation, I think. 
I I like as, as I mentioned in my tweet. I like in Craft CMS. I like the the the, the custom field possibilities. No, the, the all the all, all the kind of fields you can build. But the templating engine, engine which is not present at all, uh, you don't have any template, and you build all from start. It's is the for me is the main reason I made the the switch to to this CMS. No, yes, the multilingual, which is very important in in our country, the multilingual is very very good. The media management is marvelous. When I first uh, drag three images over a field and they were all uploaded and everything was okay. I was, wow. <laughs> You're like, wow, it worked the yeah. way it was supposed to. Yes, I never accomplished <laughs> that in, in, in Drupal. No, you know, in Drupal you have all three, four steps. But okay, there are, there are things in Drupal that are very good. For instance, the, I use a lot the manual crop, manual crop uh, module or now plugin probably in the version 8. Manual crop uh, allow you to uh, upload one image and store it in store it on your hosting and define as many as you like uh, crops of that image. So responsive web design is very easy. You know, using the picture tag uh, you can you can use uh, various uh, various crops of the same image and uh, you don't have to upload it three or four times. You know? It's all in one place. This is something I'm I'm missing in Craft CMS, or maybe I didn't find it out still. No? Another thing I mentioned before was the transliteration. The transliteration also is important in countries outside the, the English-speaking area because we have uh, those strange characters, like my last character in my last name. They they don't work very well in the URL. Uh, you have to change it into something more user-friendly also. No? Pretty much that's it. Uh, I... Andrew, do you know, is the Craft CMS translated into Croatian, the, the control panel? I have no idea. I have not checked. I mean, actually, Marco might know better than I. No, I think no, but I'm not interested <laughs> in the Croatian <laughs> translation. <laughs> uh, all my software on the computer is in English, and I learned mm-hmm. uh, computer science in English. So yeah, sure. I speak English bad, but I didn't want any. I did. I don't want any other uh, word to say file or to say save, open, and. So Patrick, why don't you lead us through a little bit? Let's you know imagine that. We're clients that we don't know anything about CMS systems, but we want to build this website. We've heard about Drupal. Mm-hmm. Why don't you kind of give us your spiel on when Drupal would be good and when Craft would be good and, and, and how would you kind of frame that conversation for someone coming in who may not be the most technical user, but they've heard of Drupal, they've heard of WordPress, but you know, give us kind of a what you would t- tell that client in terms of how you would sort of sell them on craft or what advantages you think that craft uh, could offer opposed to this Drupal thing that they've heard of. Sure. And yeah, I mean, this definitely comes up a lot. I, I tend to right. find clients coming to me and they are familiar with Drupal uh, much more often. Maybe they've heard of craft. I am starting to find some clients that, that have already heard of craft or have mm-hmm. sought me out because of craft. But uh, usually you, you find people that are already thinking about Drupal or WordPress. And I, I, a lot of times I'm trying to sell them on craft just because for me, it's a, a better tool, but I'm always trying to pick whatever tool is best for them. Right. Um, so definitely the first thing is I would listen to their requirements and you know, make sure that I'm really understanding what goal they're trying to achieve with you know, this web project. You know, everyone wants to be able to, I, I find at least people want to be able to get their content in there to have a really great user experience authoring their content. You know, they want to be able to do 
usually if you dig and try to ask the questions, they want to be able to have some sort of workflow, depending on what their workflow requirements that can change the recommendation. You know, something like you know, when I get in and ask leading questions like, well, you know, is the ability to preview it or see, you know, the changes in content as it happens, is that something that would help? You know, that's a, a question that I ask when I'm, you know, really trying to see what's going to benefit a client. Uh, yeah, so you know, as Marco. I, mm-hmm. I, I uh, you know, I work for a university and we're building a website and Patrick, I want to build it in Drupal. All right. Get, tell, say what you would say to me or what you would say to a client in terms of steering them towards craft or why it might be a better experience. And I, and I realize that you'll do a whole interview sure. process to make sure that that is actually yeah. accurate and all that kind of stuff. But what, what kind of features would you kind of tout to them as being reasons why they might prefer it over Drupal? Yeah, sure. Um, so definitely that, that first one, I started talking about, you know, something like live preview is something that I haven't seen done well uh, in Drupal. So, you know, usually giving a demonstration of craft helps a lot. You know, showing off something like live preview, uh, as Marco noted, the media management, if anyone's come from Drupal or WordPress previously, they know that uh, those sort of kind of throw everything into one big bucket. Uh, yeah, while craft live, gives you... I'm sorry, Patrick. Live preview is one of those things that is really funny <laughs> because every developer I talk to, they just, they never use live preview, right, right. But, but clients love it yep. because Cl- there's this insecurity of, you know, if you're a developer, you know what stuff is going to end up looking like because you made the templates, right? Yep. Yep. But if you're someone who's a non-technical user or you're the content manager or the copywriter or whatever, there's this insecurity there that you want to, you want to be able to see what it's going to look like before it's out there and you can embarrass yourself. Right? Yeah. So yeah. And, and for if anyone's coming to this from a Drupal background, they haven't yet dug deeply into craft. So live preview, uh, it allows someone. So in, in, in Drupal speak, if you're working on a node, uh, rather than having to maybe save it as a draft and then preview it as a, as a draft on a separate window and then come back and edit your content and go preview it again in another screen. What craft allows you to do is have kind of a side by side about a, maybe a quarter or a third of your screen is your content editing and, you know, the rightmost three quarters is the actual page. And as the client or developer edits content, you know, types in text, chooses files, you know, for images that they want to plug in, it updates the, uh, the preview on the right-hand side in, in real time. And for clients, it's always something that makes them go, wow, I can imagine myself feeling so much more confident editing content, you know, seeing exactly the way it's going to come out, being able to resize my browser to see what it'll look like on mobile, and just have a lot of confidence as they, as they edit content. So that... That's one that uh, helps my sales pitch quite a bit, and I'm sure has sold a lot of craft licenses over the last few years. You would be talking to them about a lot of the content authoring experience, it sounds like, in terms of why you might steer them towards using craft. Yep, that's one big big part. Another one, and Andrew, you've helped push me to this, is uh, you know towards site speed and, um, and SEO. You know, just over the last maybe six months to a year, it's really become a part of my pitch. You know, and you and I talk about, you know, Google PageSpeed Insights and you're infamous on Craft Slack for kind of grading all the sites. But uh, the nice thing, and Marco kind of nailed it, is that Craft lets you bring your own HTML. You get to exactly dictate your markup. You can do that in Drupal. Um, if you work really hard at it, you can, you know, get your CSS down to size. You know, but by default, Drupal, kind of similar to WordPress, brings in a new style sheet for every single plugin you've ever installed, even if it's oh, no. admin only, even if it's something that only ever gets used in the admin and never touches the front end, they just throw everything in to your theme uh, by default. So you have to go in and like 
unset an array of all the different style sheets to make sure that they don't get injected into the head. So the front um, end theme is going to get CSS put in by plugins on the front end? If you don't do anything about it, yes. Oh, yeah, man. if you don't do anything. Yeah, it, and they may have changed this with Drupal 8, but, you know, JavaScript goes up in the head and, you know, a different JS file for every piece. It, you know, you have a really bad page speed score if you haven't done anything with it. And you just have a, a slow site to load if you have not right. really gone really granular and really worked with Drupal to undo a lot of the so things it sounds, that... It, yeah. it sounds like they're using, you know, kind of a 1990s mentality of building sites and are sort of imposing that on you? Is that fair? I think so. I mean, I think they want to make sure that, you know, someone who, like you said, may work in government or may want to get something up there can go and start building very quickly, even off one of their base themes. Mm. Um, you know, they, they, I think they believe that the really determined people will go in and make all the changes to, to do things like that, but they, they kind of make it easy to use first, even if that kind of hurts performance. Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, just from a WordPress perspective, and I don't know if it's the same uh, in Drupal, but, you know, you install a bunch of plugins, and they inject a bunch of CSS and JavaScript, and then your site performs terribly, and then you install another plugin that what it does is it tries to rewrite all of where this JavaScript goes, and sometimes it'll work if you do it async and sometimes it won't because yeah. some plugins will work and some will break. And it's just, it ends up being a mess. Is that, but in Drupal, it sounds like you can kind of undo that and not have that happen on the front end. Yeah. But it's still, you know, it's literally, it's writing a plugin um, or writing a, in your theme, writing a, a hook that uh, grabs a big CSS array and manually unsets Every style you don't want to be set for the front end. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Everything you add that is in there by default, and you have to go out of your way to kind of remove it. Right? You got it. Well, got because it. In, in Drupal, like in WordPress, a lot of the field types and a lot of the plugins are sort of theme layer driven. A lot yep. of what the plugin does, uh, the way it structures its data and the way it, it spits markup out to the template is has the theme layer in mind and it's tied to the markup that is that it's you know expecting to be interacting with as part of the theme layer whereas in craft there is no theme layer it's assumed from the beginning that the system and the plugins that extend the system need to be presenting pure data objects to the template so that I can build that markup myself rather than just kind of injecting some automatically generated blocks of of code, so so I think the the reason behind what we're talking about this experience of getting out the default markup and then having to sort of clean it up if you want to uh, get performance out of it is because these systems are so tied to the template layer. Yeah, and and the they try layer, to be rather. easy. Yeah, and they try to be easy for non technical people to use, right? And in in a lot of ways, they accomplish that. And then right. I think that I want to go back to Marco's comment. Um, Marco, you said. With Craft, you get all of the power of Drupal and the extensibility of Drupal with all of the user-friendliness of WordPress. And I think that is the perfect summary for you know somebody who is selling Craft to a client as a tool and the client in their mind has Drupal or WordPress or both is just to be able to explain Craft on that, you know, in that way. You get all this power of this very extensible system, and you it's friendly. You can use the control panel, and you'll know where everything is. Well, here, here's what I think is interesting about 
some of these systems and you know, I'm, I'm saying WordPress only because I'm more familiar with it, but it sounds like it's kind of similar in Drupal, which is that they try to make the authoring experience easy, right? In terms of building stuff, you know, in WordPress, for instance, if you want to do this, you install a theme. If you want to do that, you install a plugin and it give, gave rise to sort of this user developer weirdness. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas with craft, really a non-technical person, it really is not going to build a site in craft. <laughs> I mean, okay, right. yeah. they, they, they could, but they really can't. And what the interesting thing about that is that that puts the, the onus on the developer. The developer, okay, you do the hard stuff, which is, you know, crafting the, the actual front-end template, but it leaves the user experience in terms of the clients that are using the back-end uh, to enter content or to do whatever, it leaves that really nice and easy. And I think that is kind of the the genius of craft in a way is that you start with a completely blank slate and you as a developer are responsible for building the front end and you can make that look or feel however you, your your heart desires. But you still are giving your client a really, really nice content management system on the back end. So that's one of my favorite things about it is it just gets the hell out of your way. And I think that some of these systems like WordPress and it sounds like, um, you know, Drupal to an extent where they kind of went wrong in a way is trying to straddle both worlds. In other words, trying to make it so that you can just click and point to put a website together and then also trying to be something manageable for the, the user on the back end. Yeah, I, I don't know that I agree that a, a non-technical user wouldn't build a website in craft no way um, because because i know a lot of of non-technical and by non-technical i sort of mean non-developer but yeah, there's but michael your definition of non-technical is is someone that knows html and css okay <laughs> my definition of non-technical is someone that they're not even sure where the power switch is on their computer <laughs> sure well i think you know that sort of yeah. that sort of customer usually I think shops with WordPress first because WordPress does really try to give you that, you know, okay, click a few times and now you have a website. But I think when I look at like WordPress and craft and Drupal on a spectrum, talking about a a non-technical person coming to these platforms, um, you know, maybe a designer who knows a few HTML tags and that's really it. WordPress, I think, tries to obscure the technical stuff away and make it as easy as possible to build that website without ever having to touch anything technical. And I think Drupal... Is it true with Drupal too? Tell us, Patrick. I think Drupal goes all the way to the other other end of the spectrum. Drupal is known for having a really high technical learning curve. And if you are not a developer, Drupal is really scary. Even though they've tried to like simplify the installer and the, the theming process, and I think in later versions have done a good job of that, I still think it's really scary to you if you're not a developer to even approach... Drupal. Patrick, are we, do you, are we just you talking UI complexity or are we talking actual having to have technical knowledge? Because it sounds like you just download and install a plugin and it will inject all the CSS and JavaScript for you and will kind of just work. No? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Andrew that, uh, you know, craft, you, you at least you need to know front-end markup. You, know, you need to be able to, to write, you know, some templating tags. So there's some twig knowledge involved. To me, craft is something where you're going to need a developer to get it started, you know, and it is something where uh, if I find that a client is the sort of client that wants to be able to, you know, like with WordPress, go and download a plugin, have it just work, you know, start loading a widget into a sidebar. If they're really, 
fixated on that and they, they don't understand why that can sometimes be a bad idea in terms of code you don't know or understand, you know, just throwing stuff into your page and why that can be bad. Craft isn't for them because they're not going to be able to write that markup code and integrate that plugin. Um, you know, someone who really is invested in craft needs to do that. And, and I, I think, you know, to me, Drupal, you, you can, you know, you could grab the, let's even do a small example. So like SEOmatic on craft, even if SEOmatic does a lot of things for you, but you still have to know how to go into a, a base twig file that's extended by everything and throw that hook up into right. the head. Right. Um, you know, by default, it's be, bring your own HTML. You know, craft is not going to load that on the front end for you unless you make it. With Drupal, you could grab the, you know, the Google Analytics plugin or a meta, meta plugin. And once you install it, every node that you've said, you know, for pages and, you know, bios and whatever else, it's just going to start spitting out markup for you. You know, same thing for uh, a lot of different things. You know, I think there's very few places in craft where you can get add functionality without having the ability to do, you know, to be a developer. Um, you know, that being said, you know, I, I, to me, that's a selling point. You know, I, I like to know, to know that we really understand what code is going to be spit out on the front end and how it's going to affect site speed and how it may or may not affect other things rather than there's some, you know, magic widget library that you can just start pulling in code from anywhere with no knowledge of how it's going to work or not work with your CSS. Yeah. When I think about, I guess, the, the less technically inclined folks that I work with, you know, among my clients, um, one of the things that's really noticeable to me about craft and an advantage of craft is how easy it is to talk about craft and its functionality and the ways it organizes information. Whereas I think when I think about Drupal, and again, I haven't, you know, sold a Drupal site in, in a little while, but like talking about nodes and entities and views and books and you know, field collections, I think is a lot more cumbersome than talking about entries and yeah. assets and categories. Do you do you find like is that a significant thing for y'all? I, I, yeah, I, mean, Mark, I was Mark, just gonna yeah. say, from my perspective, I think about it, and as a non-technical person, I tell them to you know make a new node, and they'll be like, node? What the hell is a node? Like that's right. not a word that even enters their vocabulary. You know, I, a lot of people might have no idea. They might have heard of like lymph nodes maybe, but that's about <laughs> it. I say, I don't find, uh, find that the naming a, bit pro a big problem. It's just naming. But yes, Drupal is, uh, I think, very, very complicated. In, uh, as you mentioned before, the output of, of Drupal is very complicated. And there is a guy uh, named Morten. He built an entire uh, a, a team, a template, which does nothing else than uh, cleaning all the the stuff that Drupal puts out by default. <laughs> so uh, basically, every every model, every plugin, as you said before, uh, every model spits some kind of uh, HTML out in the the, the final page, oh, and uh, you must. You must load a blank, a blank CSS for every model if you want to clean that, uh, clean that output. So oh. it's it's very hard to 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 get the blank page, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, but uh, then then as you mentioned, uh, the views, the the entities, the nodes. You you have the, uh, an, another problem in Drupal, uh, which is uh, building a custom a custom single page. If you want to build a custom single page, uh, the best way to do it is something that scares me a lot. Uh, it's using panels. Uh, <laughs> panels is a plugin that I, 
yes, I use it once. Yeah, I use it once, but it it is powerful. It, it is also in dev versions. I think I don't know. It is final. It's, it's final release. But it's the only way you can build a custom a custom page and move nodes and uh, views and blocks around as you like it. No. Yeah. The craft uh, craft has got the 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 metrics field, and uh, when I saw the metrics field, okay, I I thought. My, why doesn't anybody else use it years ago? Uh, it's such a it's such a clever way to to build pages, no? Right. I choose what I like and put it where I like. So it's it's a it's a very clever way to do. It's I don't know. It, this is definitely the main reason I I prefer the the craft way of 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 of, temp, of doing uh, the page. No? Sure. So, well, and in in Drupal, not just being able to move that content around on a page, which is what you yeah. use Matrix for, but but just being able to have a single one-off page at all, like what Craft would call a single, you know, that you can just create an entry and that entry has its own URL and it's just, it's out there, not necessarily related to anything else. In Drupal, you would have to like go create, you know, a, 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 a theme template for that or something. Yes, yes, yes. Bro, and then, and then you, you find hard to edit the, the, the user yeah. Will be in problem. He will edit the the content because at one point you don't know if you should edit the block or you should edit the node, and they are not placed on the same place in in the administration menu. No, I I don't find it very user friendly. No, but okay, uh, he's got uh, other uh, advantages. Yeah. User friendliness is not one of them. Yeah. Has there been anything in coming to coming from Drupal that has been difficult to learn or adapt to? In using craft to me no i uh, i build a craft site very very fast uh, the basics were done in one week i think when i started using as soon as i discovered the templating the system the templates function it was done no i got the variables out from from the cms and i was putting them into the the html code i built so it was no problem for me i don't know if patrick something else yeah, no, I, mean, I you know because i kind of came from expression engine i was already in the you know bring your own html state of mind i think someone coming from a drupal background might you know find it a little jarring but maybe a little freeing that when you start to set up a website you find that it's not doing anything with all these fields there's no content array that you can just say it spit on a page and have it just spit out every field you know, into the page for you. That being said, you know, I think a, a good Drupal developer might make for a very good craft developer because Drupal developer has had to go and think about, do I want to keep the default field markup? Do I want to override it? Do I want to have special treatments of my field markup and override it, you know, maybe based on one scenario, but do it a little bit differently based on another? And I, you know, some of the things that you see, even in the craft community, there was the, the Majingo um, series on twig markup and extending and having kind of base markup, but then extending your markup. And, you know, a lot of that is very similar to how Drupal works out of the box. You know, so some, some of these ideas in craft about having kind of standard field handlers for your twig um, or a standard, you know, entry handler, and then you swap out different ones based on the entry type or the section. That's the sort of thing that I think a lot of Drupal developers may already be doing and might, you know, bring a lot to the table if and when they come to craft. Yeah, well, and with Drupal, uh, with D8 moving to Twig and, and bringing in so much as Symfony, I think that that statement will be even more true, that a, a good Drupal developer will likely make a very good craft developer. Even just like in 
the way you think about the base architecture of your system, like there being elemental units of content at all. And, and a lot of craft will make sense just because of that architectural underpinning, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to Brennan Kelly, maybe it was two years ago. We were talking Drupal briefly, and uh, I was noting that everything in Drupal is an entity. And he's like, huh, we almost called an element in, in craft an entity at one point is one of the terms they were throwing around of thinking what's the most accessible, you know, makes sense type of way to talk about, you know, an atom, an atomic unit of content. An entity was something they'd thrown around, so that would have made it even easier. But I think that's one that people bridge pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so we uh, have talked about some shortcomings in Drupal, and that's always it's always it's always kind of the way of things, right? It's almost like you know you get a new girlfriend, and uh, all you talk about with your friends is uh, kind of the bad things uh, about the old girlfriend. But I'm uh, I'm curious if are there any features, and we'll ask both of you. We'll ask Patrick first. Are there any features in Drupal, especially Drupal eight? that you wish were in craft or that you miss the way that they were implemented in Drupal? Yeah. So, um, and I, I was thinking about this beforehand. So, you know, to talk about Drupal 8 specifically. Yeah. I mean, one, and Andrew, you and I are talking about, they do um, have a way to, for you to migrate configuration from one environment to another, um, or it'll kind of package up in, in craft. The term would be, you know, sections or fields uh, in Drupal. It's, you know, content types or fields or field instances. And be able to say, Hey, kind of rake together all of these, section, you know, in, in Drupal, these content types I built or these fields that I built and, you know, kind of allow me to migrate them from my local development environment up, you know, upstream into development or staging or production. Mm-hmm. In Drupal 7 and below, there was a features module uh, that did this and also let you do it on the command line. And now it's something like it where you can migrate configuration has been built right into Drupal 8, which is pretty cool. Another benefit of a thing is there's a huge ecosystem. I, I think it's both a plus and a negative. You know, there's, and I was just on Drupal.org or uh, D.O. There's like 35,000 modules uh, out there for Drupal. But then if you look and say, well, how many are actually seven and up and actively maintained, it drops down to like 8,000. Right. Um, And then how many, you know, have bugs that because it's open source and it's kind of development by committee, people have been arguing over like the right way to fix a bug for the literally last year or two years. Right. I've had instances like that. That can be a, a kind of frustrating part. And that kind of goes back to the GPL license. You know, it, it's, if you distribute a Drupal module, it's under GPL and it can be made free. Like, so even if you sold it, someone can then re, you know, give it away for free. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny, Patrick. I think the only thing worse than design by committee <laughs> is, is development by committee. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, it can, you can just end up with some absolutely horrible stuff. Yeah. Uh, the one other thing, because it is free open source software, um, you've, you've seen different hosts that allow you to spin up you know, a box with Drupal on it very easily, right. um, and entire companies around it. Drupal itself, um, you know, there's Acquia, which is a behemoth. Yeah, they have Drupal people, and this is like thousands of dollars a month for hosting, but they will fix your site if there's an issue. They spin up instances for you, do Tell all their money through. Acquia is, who are not familiar with Drupal? Sure. So Acquia is... Um, it's actually run by the, the founder of Drupal. I think he's the CEO there. They're a big ho- company. They do Drupal, Drupal training, Drupal hosting. They do, you know, they're a major sponsor of meetups and events and DrupalCon. Gotcha. Uh, they do solar. So they'll actually let you do solar as a service for faceted search. There's a question, well, how does Drupal, how is Drupal so successful and how is WordPress so successful? Well, you know, they have companies that are, while the product is free open source, they offer either hosting or proprietary outside services that they can integrate with. 
Right. And yeah, I mean, Aqua can be great. They do a lot in terms of multi-environment hosting and they'll just spin it up easy. There's Pantheon, which does the same thing. And because it's free open source software, they can just spin up licenses and it's not a question of, um, you know, has someone agreed to the license agreement or, um, you know, can they even do that? You know, which I, I think is something where you know, there's been some talk, will craft one day, go open source and monetize in different ways. But it's definitely something that helps the proliferation of Drupal. So, I mean, is it fair to say that a positive of Drupal is just kind of also the sheer inertia, right? That there's a decent number of sites out there that need maintenance or they need to be upgraded or, or that type of thing. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. That being said, they're, they're at a little bit of a funny point now, at least I think so. Uh, someone who I know has put up a blog post saying that like, if you're starting a Drupal project today, you need to have like a three-year plan because are you going to start on Drupal seven, which is out of date in, in 2019 will most likely be sunset in terms of um, any sort of patches. Are you going to do on, I think I said, are you doing on Drupal 7 or are you doing on Drupal 8? Drupal 8, you know, a lot of plugins haven't been migrated yet. It may be hard to build on 8. Mm-hmm. Um, so while there's a lot of it out there and a lot of inertia, they're at a point now where the entire code base has been completely rewritten. You know, you, you don't run an update on Drupal 7 to go to 8. You have to literally migrate your content and migrate over to a fresh build. There's no good upgrade path from 7 to 8 rather than a migration and, you know, kind of re- rebuilding some things. So, you know, th- it, there's both inertia, but there's also kind of a large fork in the road right now. So, you know? so how about you, uh, Marco? Uh, what are some of the features in Drupal that you wish were in craft or that you kind of miss the implementation of? Yes, okay, I signed a few of them. I think that Patrick also mentioned migration from one, from the development side to the production side, etc. I think that Drupal has a brilliant, brilliant plugin, a brilliant model named Backup and Migrate. It's a very, very useful model. You can backup your database, you can backup your files, you can select what kind of files you want to backup, you can schedule your backup and simply import in on the other side. I can export on my live site and import in my development mm. on my computer, and it's running in one minute. So uh, another, another as I mentioned before, is transliteration. Okay, I, I found PathAuto. It's, it's a module that has the ability to build uh, automatically build the URL out from the title of the node or the, of the entries. No, something like this is present in Craft, but I found uh, that uh, when I go from one language to the other, I have to manually change the the manually change the title. No? Drupal for every translated for, for every translation of of the same node. He built another URL. There is also a redirection 301 that is built for the new for the new title name. If you change the name, no? right? Uh, I think it, this this feature is is very useful. But you have you have a bunch of models that do, do this uh, redirect, path redirect, global redirect. I have, I think there are two or three two or three plugins that they use to do this mm-hmm. kind of. Things. So I, I think that Craft has something, uh, the routing, the routing section. I didn't work a lot with the routing on, in Craft, but probably it's something that works similarly to Petout or Redirect or something like that. For instance, if, if I have to redesign an existing site, I used to uh, get the HTML sitemap of the site so I can so I can store all the old links, all the the indexed links uh, for of the old site. And in Drupal, I can make a table of redirections for all those old URLs to the new URL if I have the new one, or or maybe to the front page if I don't have it. No. Andrew, yeah. do you want to jump in and sell some more copies of Retour this week? Uh, 
Andrew and I are having, having a, a little back-channel chat about that. We're going to let Marco finish his list. For <laughs> well, okay. now, that, now that someone has already interrupted him. No, no, no. Marco, keep going. Yeah, okay. so, I, I'm almost done. Then uh, there is a nice model that I didn't find in WordPress, and I didn't find it in other CMSs. It's auto-title. Um, mm. uh, sometimes there are entries that uh, I don't want uh, the user to to enter any title, but the title is generated automatically or from a field or from a serial number I generate or something like that from a custom text or something like that. The manual crop I mentioned before is very good. Uh, then there is an interesting model context. Context is, a, is a, I can say a new, but not so new, but from newer, newer model in, uh, in Drupal. It brings some uh, logics to your site. Now, uh, if this happens, then do that and you can put something in uh, you can put something in various parts of your template according to other values or other situations so then yes i i must mention the community the drupal community is a very active community and basically if you any any kind of error you get on your drupal site if you copy paste it in google you will find a lot of answers about and a lot of mentions yeah i think i want, the, to, say, the I want to say just one more thing about the live preview Yes, it is right. I'm not a developer, but I don't like the live preview. I don't. I don't. I think I don't need the live preview. But I know I'm wrong because uh, probably users users do like it. But uh, in Drupal, you have the the possibility to turn off the preview um, when you create the content type. You know, you can turn off the possibility to have the preview for the content, so the user when build their their own node, the, uh, they put the, their own content in the node. I disable the possibility to have the preview. Uh, I, I, I let only the possibility to save or delete what they did, you know, because I think, well, what you don't need a preview. <laughs> <laughs> so you're but, deciding uh, that for them. Typical yes. developer <laughs> knows best. And, and of course, I'm wrong, but I, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, the fun, you know, the thing you were mentioning about community is kind of interesting. So one of the the cool things about craft is that it seems to because you know brandon and and brad and the whole team at pixel and tonic are very smart people that are making very good decisions they seem to have attracted a lot of like-minded people to craft so one of the things that i found with communities is that it's great if the community is large but then you also sometimes have to deal with the signal to noise ratio kind of similar to what patrick was talking about with all the plugins sure you can find 8000 plugins but then you have to spend a bunch of time wading through to see which ones are actually good which ones are actually supported which ones work on on what version and yeah i, I guess there is sort of a quality over quantity type thing and there's a an equilibrium that at some point communities grow to the extent that they actually get worse <laughs> you know <laughs> Well, or at least difficult to navigate. Uh, Marco, have you popped into the craft Slack at all? No, I should. What did you so, so yeah, so um, the craft community, I think, lives mostly in two places. The first is, foremost, is the craft Slack channel. So Slack is this great chat app, um, uh, kind of an IRC-esque uh, thing, and uh, there's a very active community there in the Slack channel. Um, and you can get there if you go to the community page on, on craftcms.com. You can mm -hmm. get an invitation to that. And then the second place is the Stack Exchange is really, really good. It's well moderated. 
and questions yes, and yes. to get I, answered I, I quickly and well. Yes, yes. I, I use that a lot. And um, at this moment, I, I've, I found all the answers to all my problems I had this summer with my new site. But I need to get on Slack. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, definitely come join, join the Slack channel. So let's – I actually want to kind of burn down this list that y'all um, – that y'all made. Uh, Patrick, the first thing you talked about was migrations and, and migrating fields and stuff between environments. Did you happen to catch the announcement yesterday yeah. about uh, content migrations in Chrome? Yeah, which I think looks great. I think it's a good first start for those who are hearing about this for the first time. Um, it's on the, the Craft CMS blog or the Pixel Atomic blog, maybe it's Craft blog. But uh, essentially, you're going to be able to, and it also looks like Craft is starting to get into some command line things where you can run some commands. Uh, mm-hmm. To do them some things, but basically write migrations in PHP and have them uh, then be able to be pushed. At, you know, it's like the craft slash migrations folder, and it's basically you're setting up a, a section model or any sort of model you need and allowing that to be run as an update. So I think this is pretty cool and is a good first step for it uh, to be able to go and do some kind of purposeful things. But you still need to write your own, right? Literally, like write your own model code, write your own config for it. There's no like, hey. Here, I want to pick these four sections, generate all that, you know, set up a new model code for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's the sort of thing that Drupal does nicely, you know, because at that point, maybe we should just start writing all of our, our section models in PHP rather than doing anything in the GUI. Sure. Um, so I think it's a good first step. And I think Brennan says, you know, they want to kind of like start the sm- snowball small and then roll it, um, you know, rather than try to build something that does too much and has baggage and later needs to be undone. So. Yeah, it definitely looks like that's something that's um, starting to come around, and I think it'll be a great step just because it's, yeah, to me, you know, we end up having to kind of make database-altering changes in production and then sync them down to local where we write our code. But then, you know, sometimes, you know, what if the client starts to touch those things in production or, uh, you know, it's, it's something that it's hard to kind of hide from production users depending on what it does or doesn't do. Yeah. Um, so no, this is definitely, a, I think, a good step in that direction. Yeah, yeah, I think more than more than I'm excited about the actual feature set that they announced for content migrations. I'm excited just to know that it's on their yeah their radar, like it's in their roadmap. Like we've been doing basically content migrations through plugins for a while. You know, on on sites that have a lot of multi environment action. You know, I'll just go write a plugin, and that plugin's whole job is to capture the changes in content schema sure. so, so that when I go push my latest set of files to a new environment, that environment recognizes that plugin migration because plugins are allowed to, to trigger database migrations and it'll, it'll run that migration. It'll move fields around and you know, migrate data. And that's how we've solved that problem. And obviously that's not what plugin migrations are intended to be used for. <laughs> right. um, but uh, so, I, so I'm just, I'm excited to see where they take that, that feature. But I'm, I think that they give it, you know, a year and we'll be talking about something really compelling in that area. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the, the plugin that Marco uh, mentioned using on Drupal, I mean, it's, it's definitely possible to write something like that in Craft, right? Where you would have a backup and migrate where right you know, it, it would essentially it would it would whatever environment you uh, had set up it would back up the database and it would take care of you know syncing the the database and the files and all that stuff but it's really clear 
that the guys at Pixel and Tonic are, are laying the foundation for doing this in core in some yeah. way. And Marco, I think it your, makes sense to let them handle it, you know? To, to your point about backups, has anybody played with Backup Pro for Craft? I haven't because, you know, I'm kind of a command line guy and I just don't see the utility in it. I just run MySQL dump via cron and I'm done. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, I, so, did, yeah. I did expression engine, but not for Craft. Yeah, same here. So Eric Lamb has this uh, great plugin called Backup Pro that works on a number of different CMSs and right. I used it. Uh, and use it actively for a lot of our expression engine sites. And I haven't played with it for craft yet, but Marco, it's, it's sort of uh, the first half of what you were talking about. It handles the automation of backing up your files, backing up your database, you know, being able to export backups to all kinds of places and then restore them. It's, it's less of a migration tool and more of a backup and backup restore tool. I, I saw the backup raw, but I didn't try it yet. But uh, but yeah, maybe look at that. So when you talk about transliteration, Marco, you're talking about the replacement of like international characters yes. in Inter- t- titles and yes. file names and stuff. Latin characters, yes. Yeah. So um, Craft does, does support some plugin, transliteration, but it doesn't work on my site. I don't know why. <laughs> Are you, so uh, so there's a config item: the um, convert characters to ASCII config item. I, I don't know that that's what it actually is called, but it, but that's what you're you're trying to use, Marco, is is Craft's native transliteration? Oh, no, no, the Craft native, but I, I install a plugin. I don't know the name right now because it is not here on my comp- home computer, but it's the only one I, I, I found out. Uh, but in the comments, I found that transliteration will be in core in uh, Craft uh, version 3, so I didn't get a uh, Lot of problems to that because I will probably upgrade to the version three as it comes out in the final the final version. Huh? Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. limit auto. What is it? Limit auto slugs to ASCII. Setting that to true, and then there is also I believe you can set up uh, custom character translations. So if there's a as character and you want it to be you know a ch instead of whatever you'd call that character, mm-hmm. uh, I know I feel like you can override those as well uh, if you need specific. It's yeah, so the point that is using is slug char map. Basically, says Craft CMS allows custom character transliteration to ASCII by setting the custom ASCII char mappings value. So he's saying, you know, for instance, in Hungarian, I can set a U with an umlaut to map to a U instead mm-hmm. of uh, UE, which is the German convention. Right. Yeah. So there's there's two config items, Marco. There's yes. uh, you can limit auto slugs to ASCII, and then you can convert file names to ASCII, and uh, they're both disabled by default. But you can turn them on in your general config, and then when you save a file or if you have an element where the, the title is auto generating a slug, it will replace the obvious mapped characters with their ASCII. Equivalence, and then there's the third config item called custom ASCII car mappings, and it lets you customize the way that that happens. So if you want to change the mapping of of Unicode characters to to ASCII, then you can specify your own custom mapping. So we'll link that up in in the show notes. But but that is a thing that Craft does at least a little bit. So so check that out. You also mentioned the the 301 redirects. For title changes, and uh, there is a plugin for that. Oh, is, are you queuing me up? Michael? That was that was your cue. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Marco, I I wrote uh, I've 
written several plugins. One of them is called Retor, and it lets you set up whatever redirects you want, whether they're regular expression or just exact match redirects. And it also handles the case you're talking about where if a slug is renamed, it will automatically set up a redirect for it. And it tries to be smart, so it doesn't allow you to set up a redirect loop. And actually, hat tip to Patrick on that because he, he brought that to my attention. <laughs> but Retour does uh, handles that for you as well as uh, a number of other kind of redirection type things. Yes, yes, this, this is nice. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll link that up. I found that misspelling, uh, misspelling in the title is uh, very common. Eh? And you, when, you, yeah. when you save it, um, the damage is done. So. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, and, and so Retor will, will handle that stuff for you. And I write it down. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm joking uh, with Andrew in our, in our private chat that I don't think we'll ever be able to do an episode of the Craft Podcast without <laughs> Pitching a plugin that that Andrew has written. Uh, get the little background music like they do in podcasts for the advertising portion. Yeah, I, thought, I thought that Michael was insulting me. <laughs> no, it, Andrew's just very prolific at writing plugins that a lot of people need. Marco, did you play around with uh, dynamic entry titles at all in Craft? Dynamic entry? No, no. Yeah, so you were talking about uh, how some entries, you want them to generate their titles automatically from yes, the content of another field. So if you go to the, the docs page about sections and entries, Craft will let you, when you set up a section, it'll let you rename the title field. So if, you're, if your channel has entries about cars, maybe you want to have that field be called model instead of title. So you can rename the, the label of the title field that your users see, or you can disable the title field altogether. And if you disable the title field, then Craft gives you a little miniature template field, and you can specify how you want the title to be automatically generated yeah. when an entry gets, gets saved. So that's called dy dynamic entry titles. And we'll link that up in the show notes. But that's a thing that Craft can do. Yeah, that's really powerful too, because you can you can define how you want that title to to appear in any way that you want. Uh, so it's really cool. Yes, Drupal, Drupal uh, does it with tokens. Uh, you have a, all, a range of uh, tokens you can use uh, in your title, yep. no? and the tokens are uh, are from your node, from the the site, from all the environment, from the user. So you can put everything. In, it's the, the same here, but yeah. what you get is essentially a mini twig template. You can output, you know, any field, any slug, or you know, whatever the heck you want, really. Yeah, well, it's the same syntax, really. It gives you what in Craft is called an object template, but basically you have these tokens, and they map to to Twig outputs. So you can use all of Twig in that field, or you can just use the tokens that correspond to your different fields. But of course, in Craft, a lot of fields give you full models. So it, your tokens don't just represent a piece of text. Maybe they are a piece of text, but for a date, you not only have the, the date token, but you can format the date. Or for a, a commerce product, not only do you have the variance you know, field, but you can access the, the different, you know, subfields of, of yeah, a commerce variant or a matrix block. So you can customize your dynamic entry titles really, really specifically. You mentioned the context. Tell us more about that, because that's not a, a thing that I'm familiar with. So the context is a model that, okay, how to say it in, in a few words. 
he analyzes any kind of situation the site is in that moment. For instance, you can you can change you can change some uh, some values, display or not display some blocks. You can move some blocks. You can you can do everything you want with every every entity in Drupal if some kind of context some kind of context is uh, is true. Huh? You have a typical Boolean expressions to find if something is true or wrong or is uh, more more conditions are true, then a, a reaction is executed. No, and uh, you have the whole bunch of possibilities of actions and reactions you can put into the context. So uh, basically, um, there is also a, a, a mobile de- detection context. For instance, I use it uh, on uh, on a touristic site. Then you can, for instance, I use it to not display some content on this on the on the page when the mobile is detected uh-huh. so, so but, but this is templates. only one small part of usage that uh, that is possible you can even load another team you can load another team or use another team if a context is is true no? is if if a condition is 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 present no? okay and and what what you can test you can test a lot of a lot of things i i, I don't know it right now in, uh, out of my memory but uh, the list is very is very long no yeah and, so that uh, sounds like uh, control over what is being output on the front end based on yeah, various conditions and basically like, a lot of conditions yes 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 and, and if so, then, yeah. uh, it's like very far ranging it's almost like at a at a very deep level uh, a very big if this then that um, right. you know you can set yeah, a set so of conditions and then a set of reactions yeah. you know, if user is logged in and this block is on the page then i want you to also show this other block or it gets really deep. You can do it, you know, through a UI. You can also do it through code. So and, there's you know, a, I think there's a lot a of these control things. panel UI for this uh, for context. Yes, yeah, yes, there is. Yes. Wow, cool. Yeah, and therein, therein lies the difference, right? Because in craft, there is a kind of separation of church and state, right? There's the front end and there's the back end, yeah. and there's nothing in the back end control panel that lets you control what is output on the front end. Um, so any kind of, you know, conditionals or tests or is mobile or not or, or all that kind of stuff you would do uh, via front-end uh, Twig mm-hmm. template. And, and that's really a philosophical difference, right? So yeah. to some extent, Drupal has its toe in both waters. Is that, a, is that even a, a thing? Like, is that even a, a metaphor? A, a, a toe in each water? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you know, there's a metaphor for it, but I think I just mixed that metaphor yeah. horribly. But that's, it, it, that's really cool because, like, in craft – the the service layers give you a lot of those conditionals like there's craft.request.isMobileBrowser gives you whether you know you're on a mobile browser or a tablet browser or a right. desktop browser but you do have to go write that template mm-hmm. code so that's that's interesting i'm going to go check out this context module yeah, but that's yeah. the thing yeah. you know again from I, I must mention another another module another plugin in drupal that, uh, which is related to context it's rules Rules is another very useful useful model, and uh, what it basically does, uh, according to something that happens, it does something else. No, I, I use it for instance when I uh, when somebody uh, posts a comment, then the rules model send me an email with the with with the comment, or when I save something, then it redirects the page to a certain page for a certain user or something like that. A very useful model. Yeah, and again, that's the, that reflects the 
kind of philosophical difference, right? Because craft doesn't interject itself into the front end template at all. And that may be something that if you're coming from Drupal, it may be something that you kind of just have to get used to because craft's back end is for managing the content. And then what happens on the front end, that's up to the developer. And that's not something that is typically changeable on the back end. Yeah. Uh, and again, yeah. let's just say that, that philosophical you know, separation of, of the two things. Right. Yeah, and I think this gets back to where I think someone who is a Drupal developer could be a great craft developer because they probably have a different way of thinking about how to solve problems. Um, right. you know, they may see that there is no context module and think, well, could we do this with a, you know, a template hook? And every template that needs to know about the context of what's going on could call a template hook, go in, there are some checks that get, you could put all that into PHP code. Granted, I think there still probably wouldn't be a UI for it uh, unless someone really wanted to go crazy and build something like that. But then you could probably introduce more into, and it's already called it, the, you know, the, the twig context to know, is it mobile or is it, is, does the slug have this in it or that in it? And you could do a lot of that with template hooks. To that larger point, I think, you know, it, it's good for any developer, craft developer, expression engine developer, WordPress, Drupal, to get in and play with other CMSs just as a learning other ways to solve problems is going to make you better at solving other problems on other CMSs. I agree completely. I'm going to go ahead. I have to check out uh, this context module. I'm actually, D8 is on my list of stuff to to play with just because I haven't really looked in depth in, in Drupal. Uh, what, one other thing in this. In a while. Uh, Michael, I, one other thing that's kind of cool about Drupal is that because it is free open source software, if you ever want to play with a plugin, there's a, uh, a website. It's simplytest.me, should be the URL, or you can Google it. And um, you put in what plugin you want to try out, and it will, I think it's, I think Pantheon sponsors it, but it will spin up a Drupal install somewhere for you that lasts a half hour that has that plugin and any wow. plugins it depends on ready for you. So you could literally within three minutes from now, be up and checking out context. It's been great anytime like you need to, I have one client with Drupal that wanted to use a Salesforce module, or actually we, we were finding it, something was broken when two modules were present, Salesforce and one other. And uh, I was able to get a, a complete vanilla Drupal install with just those two modules installed within minutes and knew that, okay, it's not my code, it's these two modules can't coexist. But that's another nice place where I think because of its oh, licensing... That's awesome. Uh, Simplytest.me. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it. That's it's cool. really super cool. I would, that would be awesome for the craft store, right? For people that are thinking about buying a plugin. Yeah. To be able to be like, ah, oh, let me test this out. You know, that's a really cool idea. Well, and, yeah, and it does get back to, you know, still you need to almost like write some twig code and all that. With, you know, the thing about Drupal is you can plug, you can literally turn on the plugin and just see the back end. And yeah. Yeah. But, Definitely, definitely. Because that is like Pixel Sonic gives you the the kind of Insta craft install where you can go to their site and spin up a demo site automatically, and it just emails you the URL to it. And it, man, that'd be so interesting yeah. to like rope plugins in. But then, like you said, a lot of them you have to go go That's write templates for. Code. So yeah. it it would at least give you like you could demo the the control panel facing aspects. Yeah of those things. So uh, I guess as long as we're talking about what would be cool for them to add to their craft demo site and Patrick, Marco, to your point about disabling the, the live preview, they do also have the feature request site. And so I guess now would be a good time to plug, to plug that. If you're coming from another CMS and uh, 
there's a feature that you really like that you think would be cool in craft. There's the, the user voice site that I don't actually know the rest of. Feedback.craftcms.com. So, so yeah, Marco, you could write in and say, I hate live previews. Please give me, <laughs> please give me a button to disable them when I make my sections and uh, then people can, can vote on that. And, um, you know, it's really useful, I think, to have perspectives of developers who are coming from other platforms to suggest some stuff that um, that Craft just hasn't thought of yet or hasn't implemented yet and kind of say, this would be really cool. Okay. Um, but I don't want to be, I don't know, stupid and come to the feedback and ask for auto title and then somebody... Uh, answers me, oh, didn't you look at the dynamic uh, entries title in Craft? <laughs> yeah, but but in some ways, that's that's a great victory for a feature yeah. request, right? Is when somebody uh, comes in and makes a feature request, and then they can say, oh, okay, first of, yeah, feature first request of all, is I will, done. I will learn a little bit more of Craft, and then I will ask questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you know, don't uh, don't wait too long to wait in the the Craft community and the Craft CMS. Uh, team is is very friendly even if you don't know everything yet so don't uh don't wait too long to to jump in and don't feel that you're being stupid because it's not stupid it's not not knowing and it's a very very different thing and every single one of us has asked questions uh like that you know so don't feel reticent about that at all well i think that's a good place to wrap it up this is I've learned a ton from this conversation. So thank you, Patrick and, and Marco, for hopping yeah, on with us and been great. and talking Drupal. I know that there's a bunch of stuff now that I need to go look at and, and kind of refresh my perspective on. So Come on, don't let it get in the way of editing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Oh, no, but, we gave... But first, but first I'm going to edit this podcast episode. <laughs> Editing podcast episodes is my favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, folks, it's not. We need some editing help. And so if you're out there listening and uh, you would like to help us out or uh, if you are in a position to sponsor our show, that would be really fantastic. We are looking for a little bit of help. So get in touch. Uh, hello at craftpodcast.com is how you can get in touch with us or you can hit us up on Twitter or you can leave a comment on our episodes on the website, craftpodcast.com. We also love suggestions for interviewees, interview topics, things we should talk about on our episodes. Any ideas that you have for the podcast, we love to hear them. Uh, you can also catch us by RSS or on iTunes, links to that on the website. And you can help us out a lot if you are following podcast on iTunes to leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing and what you think. That helps us a lot as we're growing the show and subscribe and subscribe 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 dropped right into your media player that's right could you ask for any better gift than a new episode of the craft podcast straight into your media player i i can't think of one. i can't think of one <laughs> all right patrick marco thanks again y'all are awesome and i look forward to talking to y'all more um, thank you thank you for having me yeah yeah thanks very much guys yeah all right for the Craft Podcast, I'm Mike Rogg. I'm Andrew Welch. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.